So I'm going to show you a book. And this book was written in 1949 by A.W. Tozer, who was Christian Missionary Alliance. He had no education. Uh, he did not have a high school education or a seminary degree. He had nothing. Yet he is one of the most quoted men on planet Earth. He loved the Lord. He was Christian Missionary Alliance. And this book right here, if you ever get the chance to read it, read it. No, you're not going to get mine. And the reason why you're not going to get mine is because my loan books out, I don't get them back, okay, most of the time. But this book right here is one of the top 10 bestsellers for the 20th century. For 100 years, this book had been in the top, top 10, okay? And it's called The Pursuit of God. And I read it. I've read it more than once. And I read it again the other day, and it just brings me back to a truth that we need to look at in the church. Now, here, I want to thank everybody in this church who helps us with the school. And there's more of you than what you think. And I know that Doris and the different ones, that we thank you for what you do for this school. There's a lot of you that anonymously just, just you know, give us money and stuff for the school, and we appreciate that because it would be very difficult without that, and yet we have no difficulty. Would you say, Doris, we have no difficulty because of what you do. And it's not because all the tuition that comes in here takes care of everything. That's not it. It's because what you do as a church, and we appreciate that, and I just want you to know that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to... Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to start with verse 3. Uh, A.W. Tozer said this. Here's what he said. He said, can your fire for God light someone else's candle? He said, can your fire for God light someone else's candle? And see, you know, I think it was last week we, we talked about we are the salt of the earth. And we talked about uh, a light that is said on a hill cannot be hid. We are the light of the world. And so today, I just want to talk a little bit about the Beatitudes. There's something going on that is hard to explain. I had a dream last night, and I've been dreaming. How many of you have been dreaming? Okay. I had a dream. Uh, Wednesday night was a, it was a very powerful service. Uh, weren't many of us here. Uh, people are sick. It's amazing to me. It's going through. But you'll get better a whole lot quicker. Do you, do you know that uh, people of faith live longer and are healthier than people that have no faith? Really, that's true. They really do. And so <clears throat> Wednesday night was powerful service. And uh, the, the worship uh, didn't start off all that good. If you, if you want to know the truth, the worship didn't start off all that good. But it progressed. And by the time that it was come to the end of that worship, man, the, the anointing of the Lord was in this church. So when I was here just a moment ago, and I was standing here, and I can't remember who was praying. I think it, might, it was either Sandy or uh, Katina, because I knew it was on this side. I was standing here, and boy, the, the power of God just went through. I thought it was going to pass out. And I thought, whoa, what's going on? And I realized, man, that was the anointing. That was the power of God. And so I said, wow, praise the name of the Lord. So God's moving. And, and then this young lady who's going through some things herself said she had a dream 
And she saw the fire of God fall in this church. And she said she just saw people laying on the floor and people just worshiping God. And, and so I know that, that with, with a lot of us, there's more intensity right now. And the fire of God is burning brighter than it's ever burned before. Uh, but when you go back and you look at the day of Pentecost, when tongues as a fire came in, it set on each one of them. And they, they start to speak as God give utterance, okay, in a tongue that, that no one understood. And, and it's it's amazing thing how God came in and they could hear his presence, but they saw his voice. And that always amazes me how we can hear the presence of the Lord, but we actually can see his voice. His voice came in and, and it distributed itself and it sat on each one of them. And when Moses is walking past the burning bush, we know that was the glory of God in that bush. And the voice spoke and God saw, and Moses saw the voice of God. And, and, I, and I, that's what I want. I, I, that's what I want for myself. That's what I'm praying for, for this church. And so I, I just do a little history on Otozier. And Tozier had two sets of clothes. And he would go to his church and he would go in his suit and he would go in his slacks. But when he would get there, he would change into some old jeans and an old shirt. Because he would get on his knees and start praying. And before the day was over, he was on his face. Now, that, that's an amazing thing. So if you, if you look at the men of God who have actually just been beacons for the church, you take Finney. Finney would go out for hours and he would go out in the woods and he would pray. You take Moody. These guys would pray. When, when you see Moody Institute today, that's nothing like D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a great man of God and loved the Lord. And you see these men like Moody and Finney. And, and you see Iris Sankey. And you see Tozier. And he's got Tozier's dies in 1966. But yet he, he gives a prophetic voice of what's happening today. And he felt like that in his time, that book was written in 1949, the year I was born. So the book itself is 73 years old. And he saw the church slipping away 75 years ago, 80 years ago. Isn't that amazing? And then when you, when you, when you study about Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, the reason why they started preaching, because, because they saw the church start to fall away. I, I wonder what they would think of the church today. I wonder what these, if these men were able to come back, what they would think of the church today. Because they didn't just preach the gospel, they lived it. I mean, do, do you know that, that uh, uh, John Wesley, uh, do you know that he rode 250,000 miles on horseback? Can you imagine what that's like? Wow. That, that to me is just, I, 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 in the rain and the snow, they, they, they preached. They wanted to. When they, they went into Pittsburgh, when, when, uh, when I think it was uh, uh, Finney, when Finney went into Pittsburgh, he didn't preach in the churches. He went into Pittsburgh Steel, and he preached in Pittsburgh Steel, like going to Altec. And men got saved right there. Said when 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 old Wesley would 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 go into a town. I love this this story about Wesley. 
said that they'd just beat him up. So he learned how to fight. And he would call the bully out, and he would beat the bully up, and he'd say, now let's go have church. I like that guy. Okay? But, but it's amazing. They, they prayed and they sought God. Because here's what they saw. They saw their country falling away from the Lord. If they saw that then, what, what do you think they'd say now? With everything that we've got, the laws that we pass, the different things, and where the, the church doesn't have a voice. And, and you know why the church doesn't have a voice? Let me tell you why the church doesn't have a voice. Because the voice of God's not here. And if he was, he would be sitting on us. It's an amazing thing. We need to be able to see. I'm, I, you know, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I want you to change my dream life. And he did. As soon as I asked him, he started changing my dream life. And last night I had a dream about how God is going to separate. There's a separation that's going to take place. How he's going to separate. And when he separates, man, it's going to be just, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be quick. And he's just going to separate. He's going to separate the church from the world. And he's going to do that. And believe me, son, believe me when I tell you this, we're not as big as what we think we are. So now I want to go over to, to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to start with verse 3. And I'm going to talk about the virtues of Christ. And these virtues of Christ need to be in us. I, I want you to hear something. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. It starts off with blessed. And the word blessed means happy, but not only just happy but happy with joy. Joy. Because happy is an emotion. You can be happy and still be depressed. You, you, can, you can be happy and still be angry. You can be happy over anything. You know, there, there's a lot of things that make you happy that actually ought to make you sad. You understand? I mean, like, like if, if, if the... If the uh, if the Supreme Court would overturn once again Roe versus Wade and then made, made, made abortion legal all over the United States, there would be a lot of happy, happy progressive liberals that now we get to kill babies again. There'd be a lot. So you can be happy and you can be happy for the wrong things and, and still be in a place that's not godly. And so happy is, is an emotion. But joy is a state of being. And so then, you know, when the joy of the Lord comes into your heart, then it doesn't make any difference what comes your way. That joy can't be driven out. But many people do not enjoy the, the, the kingdom of God nor their salvation. And I'm going to tell you why. And, I'm going to, and, and, and you need to hear this. Because first of all, Salvation should start right here at this altar on our knees. That's where a man should find the Lord. Because, because I want you to listen to this. When you, when you walk that aisle, when, when, the Holy, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, and you know you're a sinner, because, and listen, you, you cannot get saved unless the Lord call you. I think that's John 6, 44. I'm not for sure on that. But you, you cannot get saved 
unless you are convicted and called by God. You can't. But when that conviction of, of the Lord sets in and he calls you, then when he calls you, he's going to give you a decision. Now, Jesus said something. Now, listen to what he said. He said, if you will confess me before the Father, I will confess, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. I will confess you before the angels. That's what he says. And so there's, there's something about salvation. Deb, can you follow me with the camera? Okay. There, there's something about salvation. Now, I, I think the white hot anointing is up here. Okay. But salvation, I really do. I think it starts back here. And, and so I I'm, I'm just want you to watch me just for a bit. I think it starts right here. I, I'm sitting back here, and I'm sitting back here because I not meaning you guys. We we're not we're not talking about the bro section, and we're not meaning you, Sue. Okay, but many people who aren't saved, let me put it this way, who aren't saved, sit back here. And the reason why they sit back here. Is because they don't want to be up there where where people might see them. So I can't. I come into the church, and I I have all kinds of addiction problems, or I'm an abusive husband, or I'm a good man, but I'm just not saved. You follow me? And then Holy Spirit convicts me, and this is where He's convicted me of the sin, and He's convicted me of this sin. Not that I am an alcoholic, and not that I'm a bad person. He's convicted me of the sin of not receiving his son as my personal savior. He's convicted me of that sin. And, and when I take care of that sin, that sin's going to take care of the other sins. Everybody get that? So here's what Jesus says. So there's a conviction that takes place in me. And now I'm going to stand up and I'm either going to walk out those doors the same as I came in or I'm going to take this trail right here. Now, let me show you what this trail is. This trail right here is the same trail that Jesus took when he went to Calvary. The same trail that Jesus is walking is the same trail that we are going to walk to find Christ as our Savior. Because listen, Christ was never lost. He had to find us. And then when he found us, he called us. Now we got to find him. So now how am I going to find him? I'm going to walk this aisle. Because he says this. He said, if I will confess him before all of you, then he's going to confess me out before the Father and the angels or all of heaven. And so I'm going to walk this thing. And, and as I'm walking... I'm being more convicted of who I am. And who am I? I'm lost. I don't know Jesus. And I need saved. And what I need saved from is the wrath of God. Not saved from my sin. Because once Christ is going to come into my life, then that sin is going to be covered by the blood. And I'm not going to do that no more. And so what happens is, and it don't happen in our churches no more. Listen, I am convicted and I'm full of conviction. I have a heart of contrition. I am full of sorrow, and I'm going to kneel at this altar. And there, I'm going to find Christ as my personal Savior. 
And then all of my sin is going to be forgiven. And then I'm going to walk in right relationship with the Lord. But we don't teach that no more because we don't believe that no more. And I'm convicted of it myself because I'm going to tell you something. There's more to giving your heart to the Lord than, than Romans 8, I mean Romans 10, 8 through uh, 10. What do we say then? Salvation is near you, even in your mouth. The word of faith that we're speaking. That if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That is what we need to say in salvation. But Paul says to the Corinthian church, he said, there has to be a contrition heart. There has to be a heart of godly sorrow to know that we have sinned against God's Son and that we need Him as our personal Savior and that we ourselves are lost and we are going to hell. But God has spared us from hell, damnation. And how do you do that? Through His Son, through his son who died on the cross. And Jesus said, listen, now listen to what he says. He said, so if you're going to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, which he did, and you have to pick up your cross daily and follow me. Our cross, you mean we have a cross to bear. You have a cross to bear, and I have a cross to bear. We're not talking about the cross he, he, he bared for us. Because when we come to know him, he says, so you pick it up. And when you pick it up, you got to walk that aisle. And once you start walking that aisle, you'll deny yourself. And we've quit preaching that. And we wonder why. We wonder why the church is the way that it is. Here's something else that we quit preaching. We quit preaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when we quit preaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we quit preaching the gifts of God. The gifts. And we quit preaching about languages that God gives us personally. And we, we quit preaching the, the power and the authority in the relationship that we have with the Lord. And then we wonder why. How did all these things come to be? But understand this one thing. These men, they saw what was taking place in their time. And their time, it, they, they was holy compared to who we are now. It, th th these, men, these men of God saw the church falling away, but yet you compare that church with the church now, and that, that church was holy. And these men said, you're not holy. You're not holy. You're missing this thing. Come back to the Lord. Listen, here's what we got to come back to. We got to come back to the Beatitudes. So he says this He says, Blessed or happy with joy. So you have the emotion of happy, and you have the state of being of happy and joy, and you have those things together, and there's no way that person can be defeated. Listen, if you're being defeated in an area in your life, take that thing to the altar. Take it to the altar. You have something today in your life that, listen, I'm not saying you're not saved because I believe people in this church are saved because I believe that we show the way of salvation. I believe that with all my heart. I believe if you come to this church, you're not going to stand before God and say, I didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, there's no way that you're going to come to this church 
and, and, and not know that because that's, that's part of truth. You're, you're going to know those things. But listen, you, you, you can have a problem. I have problems. You can have a problem. And what do you do? Take it to the altar. You, you, do you under, when I go to the altar before I preach, and I told the Lord I would, he shows me things. And I know you think, he's showing me the He's showing me things about me. Get rid of that. He does a lot of time, not all the time, but a lot of times he says, look, man, have you looked into your life in this area? Oh, you know what? Well, we don't do the overt sinning. But I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me, people. That gossip's as bad as anything you can do. It really is. Now, I know, you know, I don't gossip. I just tell the truth. Hey, we don't need to hear the truth. Right? We don't need to do that. But there's so many things, you know, like we're, we're, we're mean. We're mean to people. I, I, I know you're not going to believe this, but I can get mean. Well, I thought that would bring a chuckle. Yeah, okay. So, so who was I reading the other day? I was reading, uh, oh, I was reading R.T. Kendall's book that uh, you guys give me so much books, so many books. If I take and read all these books, I'm never going to have any time. So if I'm going to take the rest of my life to read these books, I'm going to live a long time. Okay. But anyway, I got this book from R.T. Kendall from uh, uh, Brother Stan there. And, and he, he became transparent in that book. And here this guy is one of my, this guy, I, I hold him way high. R.T. Kendall, uh, Tozier, these guys. But Kendall is, is still alive, and I love reading his writings, okay? He's a spirit-filled Pentecostal that, that just is, God is just gifted, okay? And then he became very transparent. He said, as a pastor, he said, you can believe in my heart how much I just mad at my people. He said this, I call them names. He said, I didn't do it verbally, but in my heart, I'm calling them names. And I'm thinking, whoa, this, is, this guy's my idol. But what happened when he became transparent, and when he became transparent, God touched him, even at the age that he is, and said, I need for you to change. And God's doing that now. I, I'm glad he saw those stars, because I don't think he was seeing stars. I think he was seeing angels. I think he was seeing something that was angelic. And you say, well, people do that right before they die. They don't have to. You know, they don't have to. God shows us these things. So now I'm getting into this because I've spent a lot of time here. Okay, now watch this. She's going to bring up verse 3. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You can turn it off. If you go over into Galatians, and I think it's about 5.22, don't go over there. But in Galatians, it's going to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Fruit of the Spirit is singular. And so fruit of the Spirit is, and then he starts to list all of the fruit. And he said, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And he, did, he, he finished the whole sentence when he said, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then he started listing everything else under love. And when you look at that, the reason why it's written in the singular tense is because everything that he listed had to come from love. 
So if he, if he would have said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and left it with that, that would have been okay too. But now he's going to tell us what love is. He's going to tell us that love is gentle, it's long-suffering, it has control, it, it's peaceful. He's going, to, he's going to go through and he's going to list. And so we say the fruits of the Spirit are. But the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is. That's what it says. Well, in, in, in this first beatitude here, everything else that is going to be said is going to come under poor. And the reason why it's going to come under poor, listen to this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see that? And, and when, here's what that means. The poor are not tied to any material substance. Substance is a tyranny that dictates our life. We got to have, now, now people, listen to me, do not get irritated when I say this, but we, I'm, I'm speaking to myself. We got to have bigger this, and we got to have more of this, and the reason why I'm saying that is because John and Christine say this, pastor, we, can we come over? This is two weeks ago Sunday. And, and I said, yeah, come on over. It sounded serious to me. And in they are coming in with a 70-inch television. And Nancy's jaw dropped clear to here. The television is bigger than our house. And Nancy says, I don't want to sound ungrateful. But that's one big TV. And Christine then says, like women will, well, we can go back and get a smaller one. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. Absolutely not. So then Nancy gets the tape measure out. And she, there is not one piece of furniture that we have that that TV can set on. That thing is that big. And so, I don't care. We're going to set it on the floor then. And that's what we did. Then Christine has a Holy Ghost experience. She said, well, let's just hang it on the wall. I said, that'll work. So, I go get a wall mount. Tony and John come. And this thing's got lag bolts this long and that big around to show you how big that TV is. And man, they, they hang this thing for me. <laughs> and somebody said, bigger's not better. Yes, it is. Man, if you see that TV, that TV, you can see the pores in their skin. Do, 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 do you know that Mahomes' head is that big around? It really is. I'm telling you, man, that is one big TV. Praise the Lord. But, but here, here's what I'm trying to get at. I, I appreciate that. I really do. And I appreciate what, everything that you guys do for us. But if that's my covet, and if that's what I'm coveting, then that's wrong. How many of you got that? It's wrong. And so, so I, I'm setting him off. Is, is this okay? Because I, I, I'm really not repeating myself. I, I'm actually giving you a message here. And I've told you this, so it's not because I'm old. Because sometimes we tell it because we're old. 
Yes, Nancy, you've told me that four times in three minutes. Have you ever done that? She ever done that to you, Mark? Mark said, I am, he's like Schultz there in Hogan's Heroes. I don't know anything. Leave me alone. But, but, but I'm, I'm, I've told you this, but I think I need to tell you, I'm sitting in my office at the VA. I, I, I'm a counselor. I'm a social worker at the VA. Good paying job. Good job. Great job. And I love that job. And God called me out. And he called me to preach the gospel. And I obeyed him. And I left. When I heard the call, you're not going to believe this, but when I'm sitting there and I heard the call, I got right up and went to my chief and resigned. That day, that very minute that he called me. I did not sit. I did not wait. I did that. I did that. And so when I did that, here's what I told the Lord. And I did not know that Tozier did this until I was reading some part of his life, but this is what I told the Lord. I told the Lord, I said, I will never own anything. I said, everything that is given to me is yours. And so therefore, if you tell me to give it away, I will be able to give it away. And, I, and, and the whole premise of the ministry that we stand on is that way. That, that's what I love about you guys. Most of you guys are like that. I don't know if you've ever said that. But you're like that. I don't own anything. Now listen to me. There's one thing about what what the author here uses. He uses the word tyranny. He uses the word dictator. And and our, our wealth can become our dictator. Our wealth can become our God. Our wealth can become, and, and listen, here's what Jesus said. He said, you can't serve God and mammon. They do not agree. You're going to serve one or the other, but you can't serve both of them. Do you understand that the root, the, the love of money is the root to all evil? The love of money, not money. Listen to me, money is the greatest servant you got if you know how to spend it. If, if, if the gifts that God has gifted you with, if you know how to do it, it can be the greatest gift of servitude that God has ever given you. I know it has been for us. Nancy, is it okay if I say this? I'm going to talk about your giving. She's a giver. Listen, Nancy, I, I, I met Nancy when she was really young. And, and we was looking at those pictures yesterday. Dear land. I think we look better today. I'm sorry. I think this gray on me looks a whole lot better than when I was skinny and ugly. Now I'm old and ugly, and it goes together. But young and ugly didn't go together. <laughs> but now old and ugly does. But Nancy's always been a tither, and I haven't been. When I met Nancy, Nancy, even as a young girl, was going to church with her mom, and Nancy was a tither. If Nancy got a dollar, she put it. She put Nancy's always been a tither. Ever since I've known Nancy, Nancy has always been a tither. I wasn't a tither. And even when I first got into ministry, man, I did not tithe, and I could make up all kinds of excuses why not. Okay, but but I, I wasn't getting anywhere financially. I I wasn't a tither, and she actually taught me more about tithing than than I taught her. But Nancy wasn't a giver like I was, and I was a giver. And it would she would get irritated with me, and and she because I was a giver, and and understand this, I taught her how to give. She taught me how to tithe. And man, I'm going to tell you something. Everything that we got now is because we're blessed. 
Because, because if, if you look at what God's done for us, we're blessed because it's not ours. We're not afraid to give it away. And so listen to what he says. He, he starts off with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now watch what it says. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. His, present tense. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is really interesting. Now everything else I'm going to read to you is going to come under being poor. Because God wants you to be poor. He wants me to be poor. Do you understand that Moses was the lowliest and meekest man like Christ himself? Moses was a poor man. And yet God poured so many blessings out on Moses. Moses finally said, listen, I want you to quit it. Moses actually said to God, he said, I want you to quit it. He said, I can't handle no more of this. Or was it Abraham? No, it was Moses. Okay. It was one of them that said, I want you to quit. Because this is what, now watch what God does. So you, you say, you know what, Lord, I don't own anything. It's all yours. And here's what you have to do with God. You have to run away from him. Now, I know you need to pursue God, but when it comes to blessing, listen, he says, I'm going to overwhelm you with blessing. And do you know what that overwhelm means? It means as an enemy is coming after you. That's what it means. And so God's saying this. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to overwhelm you with blessing because you took the stand. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And he says this. He's now I'm going to ride hard after you. And you're going to ride hard away from him because you already have so much you can't take no more. That's what Moses was all about. It wasn't that he was God's enemy, but what he's trying to say is, is that God overwhelms with blessing. Now pay attention. God only overwhelms with blessing when you don't own anything. When it's all God's. Because when you own it, you can't give it. You would be surprised how many times that we get in, in the tithe and offering and there's a check in there for the school. And I know that then God is going to overwhelm and bless those people. Listen to me, I, and, and, and I know that you might not believe this, but I never ask who tithes, do I? Now, I'll ask how much it is, but do I ever ask who tithes? Because I don't want to know. I really don't want to know. I don't want to know how much you tithe because I don't want it to make a difference between me and you in relationship. And when we start getting into that, that, that makes a difference. Listen to what he says. He says this. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I know why this little Justin, I know why he's coming out of his shell. Because he's got a little friend who's poor in spirit. He, we, we, we was talking about him the other day. And, and, and this, this, this little guy is, is just a wonderful little boy, and he's just drawing that young man to himself. And that young man, he's just drawing, and it's, he's just drawing because he's, he's looking at this kid, and he, here's what he's saying. I know he's saying, nobody ever treated me that way before. I know that's what it is. Nobody's ever treated me that way before. And so this, this, this little autistic guy is just drawn to this kid. And he's drawn to this kid because this kid doesn't care if he's big or small. He doesn't care. And he loves to sing. He's got a choir voice. He, he loves to sing. And he's not bashful. He's not forward. 
He's just a good young man. Listen to what it says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. See, my question to you today is are you poor in spirit? Because if you're not poor in spirit, listen to what he says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Because you need, there's, there's a time when mourning takes place. And every single thing now that I'm going to tell you is a virtue of Christ. Is an attribute of Christ because he was poor in spirit. Now you say, how was he poor in spirit? When he left heaven. He took upon himself the appearance of a man. And he became embodied in a body. And he left the splendor of heaven. He left his father. And he became poor in spirit. And he became a sacrifice for you and I. He became a sacrifice for you and I. Because the Father owned everything. Here's what he said. He said, I can do nothing through myself. It has to be all through him. And, and, and he was God in the flesh. And he was God in spirit. But here's what he did. He emptied himself. And he poured out himself. And he became poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are you putting them up? Hey, just put them up, John. Let's look at them. Let's start with three. Let's start with three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Are you being comforted today? Go ahead. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. The last one, 13. Oh, that was the last one. Hey, now, now watch this. That's all about Jesus. Now, here's the promise. There's only two of those Beatitudes that are for the here and now. All the rest of them, for they shall, for they shall, for they shall see God, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that mourn. I, I was working at the VA. Yes, I was saved. And I did a little preaching when I was there. But yet my testimony wasn't as great as what it should have been at the VA. Because even back there in, in, in the 60s and the 70s, they didn't want you talking about God. They didn't want you doing, doing that. And so, you know, we was handcuffed a little bit. But, but there was, a, there was a, a psychologist. No, he was a social worker. And I really liked him a lot. His name was Al Sanger. And Al walked up to me one day. He said, Larry, I'm going to ask you a question. I said, what's that? He said, blessed are the meek. And I said, yeah. He said, Larry, 
you know why we don't see people healed here? And I said, why is that, Al? He said, because we don't teach, blessed are the meek. He said, we don't teach it. Now, now, we was in, I'm okay, you're okay, transactional analysis. We was in everything that was assertive and throwing a person out there and everything. But he said, blessed are the meek. He said, Larry, where are the meek? Where are they at? He said, we don't see no meek anymore. See, here we go. Have you poured out yourself this morning to the Lord? Have you become poor in the Lord? Have you actually taken that walk to confess before men that you've received Jesus as your personal Savior? Are you living with things that are just binding you and holding you down? Has silver and gold got its clinches in you? Has it? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall what? See God. See God. Listen, I'm 73 years old. I'm three years past my allotted time. I'm living on borrowed time. And I thank God for the health that I have, okay? But I'm living on, on a day now that's borrowed. How many of you here are living on borrowed time? You of us? How about everybody? We're living on borrowed time. Listen, we do not know when we're going to see the Lord, but here's what I know. I'm going to give an account for you. And you are going to give an account for all of those, now hear, hear me out, that are trying to light their candle from the fire which burns in you. Do you have enough fire in you that a man can light his candle. Does things have you bound? Because listen, before we see what we're longing to see, God's got to do a work in us. Listen to me, how many really, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you really believe that there's such power in the Lord and such authority in the Lord that cancer can be healed right on the spot? I'm getting amens. But how many of us really how many of us really believe that diabetes can be healed right on the spot? How, how many of us really believe that that a guy walks over the threshold threshold of this church that just has demonic spirits and they say you can't go in there and he goes in there and they have to leave? I mean, how how does that come about? How do we have that? How do we, how do we get God in our church to be so awesome and so powerful? How? Listen, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Man, when we let go of everything that we think is ours and let God have it, God says, then I have that person right there. I have that person. Listen, I'm not asking for your money. You already give your money. Praise God. We talk about a lot, don't we? I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about what's your walk with the Lord? Where are you at with the Lord? What's holding you? And if there's something holding you, bring it to the altar. Let's stand. You know, some of you are having dreams. And, and, I, and I need to, I, here, here you go if you would. Hey, you know what? You're having dreams. And I want to hear them. I want to hear your dreams. You're getting prophetic words from the Lord. I want to hear them. Like Katina had that prophetic word last Sunday that was, man, right there. And she come up and said, hey, Pastor, I said, let me hear that. 
And then as soon as I heard that, I knew that it was for the sermon that day. So, yes, yes. And let me tell you something. Everybody that says their prophets aren't, you understand that? Yeah, they're not. Where are you at with the Lord? Doris, if you'd come to the piano and Harold, come right on up here. Or if Doris, you guys want to come to the altar, that's fine too. I'm telling you, there's an altar open. Yeah, now, now I'm, I'm going to tell you this. John and Christine, thank you for that television. Now, I don't think Nancy's saying that. Because I really like watching football. Especially college. And she's saying, aren't there other things on there? And I'm saying, yeah, you know. So I'm sitting down and, hey, I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching football. Well, can you help me make the bed? Really? We, we, we got to make the bed right now, right, right while this guy's running for a touchdown. I, I went and made the bed. Well, I mean, I helped you. Yeah. But, but my point is, thank you. But that was a blessing. It just came out of nowhere. That's how God does it. So here's another thing. So if I didn't enjoy the blessing, that would be a sin against what they have done. You understand what I'm saying? When, when you bless Nancy and I and Pastor Bill Sunday with the card, you, you don't know. Am I telling the truth? It was much needed, wasn't it? And then God just blessed us all week long, didn't he? Hey, he really did. And, and then the things start happening. But you know what the greatest blessing was for me? Hi, Pastor. When that little guy said, Hi, Pastor. I about passed out. I had never heard him speak. And I'm going, whoa. I knew he could speak. Because I remember last year that, that they was doing something, and Susie Jagger had him singing. And somebody said something to him, treating him bad. Boy, he went right into that shell, and he stopped. Never heard that voice ever again. He became quiet. All but his speaking again. Hey, I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Let's sing it again. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, Play it, Doors. We're going to open up this altar. And, and there's a long walk that you must take. You must take it. 
You, you, you don't have to. God will give you your choice. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. Listen, I got a bean patch that God gave me. And in my bean patch is my wife and my children, my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. In my bean patch is this church and you. In my bean patch is the dwelling place. In my bean patch is the Tuesday night Bible study. In my bean patch. And that's in my bean patch. And here's what I want you to understand. That the devil is trying to rob me from my bean patch. You know, Eliezer, I think it was Eliezer, a mighty man of David, had a bean patch and the Philistine wanted it. And there's 800 of them. And he said, you can't have it. And he drew his sword. And he stood in the middle of that bean patch. And he fought that Philistine. And he killed 800 Philistines. And when that battle was over, he couldn't take his hand from the sword. They had to take his fingers and take them off the sword. I, when I leave this place, I hope you have to take my fingers off this Bible. You have a bean patch, friend. And is that bean patch worth fighting for? Is your children worth fighting for? Is your husband, your wife worth fighting for? Is this school, is this church, is, is your, are they worth fighting for? It's your bean patch. You might say, well, you know what? We're, we're overwhelmed. We're outnumbered. Listen, God is not ever outnumbered. Ever. There's an altar. 